I don't know if you can hear the birds here. I'm in a farm right now in the border between Cornwall and Devon, in the middle of nowhere. And I thought it would be a fitting moment to give my friend Cici O'Hanlon a, a call. Uh, he's uh, in Southampton now, in a boat, in a sailing boat, that he's bought with his wife, given as a, as a kind of as a house, because they've been moving around Europe due to passport problems for quite a while now. Um, the idea of this, uh, I think I will do a series of these kind of conversations just to talk with people, not necessarily writers or artists, but interesting people. Just give them a phone call, have a conversation and see what happens, where we can go. I was reading um, The Invisible Cities by Calvino today and, uh, and I, I read this phrase that said, um, well, that is not the voice that, that, that controls the story but the ear so I don't know sometimes you have to listen and see where the story goes and ask questions and see see what happens um, the, the the caller I recorded already there were some problems with the, with the internet because he's in a boat I'm in a farm so be patient also don't be too mean this is the first time I do this kind of thing in a long time hopefully my questions will get more interesting as we go along so here's uh, the first episode of Conversation Peace. This is C.C. O'Hanlon, uh, he's from Australia, he's a friend of mine, we, we, we know each other for a long time, although we saw each other only twice, I think, uh, yes. last year, yeah, but that happens these days. Um, C.C. Is, uh, is in a boat now, he bought a boat with his wife given, and they are going to live in the sea and Sisi uh, was telling me before we lost the connection how uh, the, the situation started you, you you were telling me about Germany what happened in Germany there Sisi in, in Germany it was simply that our visas ran out we weren't able to renew them yeah. um, and the only way to to you know remain in close contact with our kids who are all mostly here in Europe was to move so we we went uh, you know, sort of every three months to a different country, one non-Schengen, the other one Schengen. And uh, when COVID came, it rammed home to us that we needed to get safe. So yeah. we we bought a house in southern Italy, uh, an old ruin, 300 years old, and we set to work restoring it. And by and large, it was very successful. We We built a lovely house. But uh the bureaucracy of italy is such that uh no matter what we did not what we said how we went about it they seem determined not to allow us to live in the house um or to live in italy for a long period um and in so doing we we lost the right to not just residency but uh being able to get hold of our australian pension we had no health coverage uh we couldn't get a driver's license in Italy. We couldn't buy a car. Uh, even banking became difficult. So in the end, we we figured that we would live aboard a house, where uh, a boat, which 
in a sense as a a tiny house but it has the ability to to move between borders and keeping all our stuff together you know that's that was another thing is that once we started moving we were traveling with seven eight bags which is all our worldly possessions and it just gets hard at our age yeah you, you literally can't carry that amount of stuff so we I mean, most well, people well, most people wouldn't think of buying a boat, but you got you had an experience as a seaman, yeah. It's uh, that's yeah. Why? I mean, it's it, it's it's not the ideal situation, but for us, um, where we were subject to numerous uh, border po- protocols and visa restrictions and so on, and and also not being able to return to our home countries. Uh, you know, my country being Australia, very far away. And, you know, frankly, doctors said to us, you guys can't fly that distance anymore. And then mm-hmm. the other one was America. But the the hoops through which I would have to jump to become an American resident um, made it very, very difficult. So it was a, a betwixt and between situation. And it was pretty unenviable one. So a boat seemed at the time to be the right, the right solution, at least for a while. And it is only for a while. We, you know, we have to f- figure out another way of living. But at the moment, nothing presents itself. All right. But, but what you were telling me about the Italian bureaucracy. You reckon this is an Italian thing or it's more like a EU kind of attitude towards immigration? Uh, I, I, think it was a, I think it was a difficult thing. I think principally it was a southern Italian thing. Uh, okay. where they seem determined for all sorts of possibly political reasons not to be open to any so-called third country people because mm-hmm. they were being inundated by, you know, immigration over the sea and so on. And, and it's only marginally under control. And they kept saying to us, oh, you know, we're very fair. But in fact, if I had arrived in a dinghy from, you know, the north of Africa, I would be allowed health insurance. I would have a temporary work permit. And none of these things were available to us. It was uh, and there was a, a moment where I said to them, look, you know, in all of Puglia, right at this moment, there are 20 Australian residents, whereas there's several million southern italians living in my country so <laughs> define too many you know yeah 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 but but then the but end. then the people the people who arrive by boats and in the dinghies in dinghies in the mediterranean they, they don't get humane treatment either no because you have all this I, well they they, they kind of they kind of rescue them now it well the first stage of their arrival is is very unpleasant and resistant and everything but if you manage to get through it then you know uh, you can begin to make a life as you should be able to do mm. um and you know we met a lot of africans who had come from as far south as you know sub-saharan states as cameroon and, and and nigeria and so on and it was hard but they managed to make lives for themselves and their kids which is let's face it the point um but you know, the, I don't know whether there was a sort of harbored resentment for uh, Australians. I wasn't the only one who was put through difficulties, but, you know, the, you come from a rich com- country. What do you want to do here? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess also, it's, uh, they're very sensitive now with yeah, everyone trying to do 
It is, but it, the the funny thing is that, as I say, we we've always had a, a you know as as Australians, we've already got various things that you know bind us to Italy and and mm. and so on. But they were rigorously. If I'd been in Rome, I would have got it. In in southern Italy, in Puglia, there was just a certain moment where they dug their heels in and no matter what we did, and even when we demonstrated that we were within our rights to request it, um, it was just no. So I thought, well, I, I can't keep doing this. So uh, it's, it's a populist term. Uh, well, now, definitely. I mean, now you you really, and again, in Puglia, they, they move from the left to the far right fairly fluidly. <clears throat> so you know you saw the the beginnings of of the maloney um doctrine as it were yeah um and that also you, you know made the country less attractive to me but i having said that i grew up there as a kid i love the country i love the italians but this this to some modest extent embittered me for a while Well, I don't blame you. <laughs> It's um, horrible. And, you know, at least going to the boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you visited us there. It's it's a pretty part of the world. But we, uh, you know, we wanted to have a bit more freedom. And we we managed to, to design a, a way of going to sea and having access to Europe and, and also having access to countries where we could spend time out of Europe and be reasonably pleasant and and maybe along the way our ch children who are all in the process of becoming european residents might be able to uh bring us into the country as 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 immediate family you know but that'll be a couple of years so okay. we've got to survive until then simple as that tell me one thing i mean like uh the 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 sailing boat that you bought uh, it's like how how big is it is it like like nine meters ten meters long something like that no 32 feet With that side, yeah, meters, like ten, yeah, ten yeah. meters, and, yeah, and and uh, and yeah, you're gonna be moving. Old. It's it it was built in. Sorry, uh, was... well, at the moment we're in England, we have to. Yeah, I can hear now. I can hear now. Sorry, we just uh, we go like a yeah. delay, like, so, like so, yeah. So, um. Yeah, we're in England at the moment, waiting out our 90 days outside Schengen. Um, once that uh, expires, then we'll head south to France and then across the Bay of Biscay to, to Spain um, and eventually Portugal and probably the Med. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, 90 days in Europe is is allowed and then we'll probably head down to uh, Morocco and spend some time there. How, how long can you stay in Morocco? Hello? Hello, yes. How, how long can you stay in Morocco? Three months. Although we do have... Hello? Three months. Um, but we have friends who are well connected and they seem very confident that if we wanted to stay longer it could happen um not only that but our daughter is moving to to uh, lisbon uh she's married to a european and she wants us to to uh, uh become resident there as 
as part of a family reunification. So, you know, we have various possibilities, but right now uh, we're, we're sort of uh, adrift. Yes, that's a good way of putting it, literally. And, and uh, how long will it take you to, 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 to sail from here to, to the next coast, uh, not to, to Europe, to, to France or to well, we Portugal? Can, we, can get, we can get to France overnight. And okay. then down to the north coast of Spain in, you know, a couple of weeks doing it slowly. And then down the coast of Spain to Portugal, you know, a week if we have good weather. Uh, and, you know, we'll just be very, very cautious. You know, we, we, we're not about being, you know, uh, being brave sailors anymore. Um, we just want to be very comfortable, enjoy the trip, enjoy each other. Um, and be safe above all yeah. that. Is there a legal framework for Although, people sailing in Europe? I mean, in, in like, like, I will allow you to get medical assistance if you need to, <laughs> and so how does that work? Well, it's it's uh, the good thing is in, in Spain, Portugal, and and uh, Italy, or at least parts of Italy. Uh, given is a permanent Australian resident, and I'm an Australian, obviously. And if we're there as visitors, uh, they have reciprocal, reciprocal agreements which allow me to get a certain amount of limited emergency care, which is important okay. for Given, who has a sort of chronic heart thing. Um, the other protection is that the boat is formally registered as a British ship. So her legal status is somewhat like that of a, a British freighter or something. Um, so uh, that also provides us with the benefit of being able to turn up at a British embassy and ask for assistance and, uh, you know, even rescue in, in certain things. Um, so there, it's it's a little different from people who just have a, a what they call a, sh a small ships registry where, you know, they enter their name and address and they're issued with a piece of paper that says this person's British and his boat's British too. But this is a much more formal and historic registration that carries a bit of weight, you know. So it's just an added protection. I'm not sure that it has huge substance anymore. It might have back a hundred years, but, you know. Well, at least are, it's a, some kind of framework to, to, to exist in, yeah, exactly. not in limbo. And in a sense, we stop being yachts people and we become seafarers too, you know. So it's a subtle distinction, but, it, you know, there are some protections. Right. So you're going to sail. You, you were mentioning you were waiting for the weather to turn to sail west. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you, where are you we going will, to cross? We will wait we'll wait for three uh, we wait until june and then we'll wait for a window to to actually set out to see we'll either go straight down if we're very lucky with the weather or we'll go around the inside of the bay of biscay you know to to places like la rochelle san sebastian and so on um which is fine nice it's pretty um we're not in any hurry you know where we, we the one thing that that creates danger is if you're in a hurry at sea you know you're racing to get back to work or you're racing to get to somewhere by a certain date we're not we just will travel you know yes yeah that, that, that's good and, and uh you, you used to sail 
back uh, back like forty years ago. You, you used to sail. You used to work. Yeah, as a, as a seafarer. Yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a qualified yacht master. I also did time on fishing boats and and so on. So I've spent a you know a lot of time at sea. And has uh, it changed but, the sailing in forty years or whatever since you last done it? The interesting thing is that you we're in a, a marina on the south coast of England near Southampton right at the moment, and you can see that sailing is now a class matter. You know, when I was doing it, there were lots of young men and women who had you know their dad's boat and these old wooden boats, and off they go and, and have some adventure. And they were small on the whole. I had a small boat. boat. Mm -hmm. um, and the culture of it was a love of the sea. Now it's a status symbol and the prices are, are such that, you know, people are paying eight to $10,000 a year or 10,000 pounds a year to moor their boat in, in the, the South coast marinas. Every little thing, you know, even a minor electrical job is going to cost you a minimum of 250 quid. Um, and you can see that, the business has become structured around a billion dollar yachting industry driven mainly by the French um, and driven also by all sorts of status uh, uh, items. So it's interesting. There isn't, you don't feel the sense of being people being drawn to the sea. You see them being drawn to another phase in their status demonstrations. So the way you you are putting it, it seems like uh, these people are doing it as a hobby. But before, it used to be more like a, like a way of life. Is that the case? Yeah, it 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 is. Um, and funnily enough, I met you know a bunch of old men this morning. You know, in their mid seventies, who were carefully working on a a nineteen thirties wooden yacht, and, and and there's no disputing the love they had for this vessel and and how beautiful it was. It really was a work of art. But on the whole, everyone is, you know, living on plastic yachts made by the French or the Germans mainly. Um, and they don't go very far in them. And and in fact, a, a very famous American yachtsman called Webb Childs uh, commented recently. He said, uh, he said, it appears to me that most people don't really like being at sea anymore. Uh, yeah. And I think that's true. Um so, yeah. Uh, and as I say, things have grown. You know, the boats are bigger. The equipment's much more sophisticated. People are wearing literally 2,000 pounds worth of wet weather gear on their person. You know, a pair of boots is 100 quid, you know. Um, and so everything is on that scale because it is principally a status activity. Yeah, it's been um, the sea's becoming gentrified as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes incredibly so um and you know even the boats i mean i bought this boat for considerably less than twenty thousand quid uh but we'd be the only boat in here that would fall in that price range most of most of them around us are between you know fifty thousand and five hundred and fifty thousand and many more and more expensive and all the equipment on them is that sort of money and have you named the boat park, already? Park the... What's that? Have you named the boat already? Have you named her? Yes, I've called her Rack, which <laughs> uh, 
there's, a, there's sort of a, a number of definitions. I mean, rack is, you know, the seaweed that washes up on the shore. Uh, it's also the detritus of shipwrecks that rock, rock up on the shore. And it's also an old fashioned word for wreck. Um, and I just felt that after all that Given and I had gone through over the last several years, and in a sense, having reached a point where it was so irresolvable that we have ended up on a boat, I thought it was the best name ever, <laughs> frankly. It is a good name. It is a good name. And, yeah. and uh, what is a uh, rack made of? You say it's not, it's not a plastic boat. It's, it, it's... It's, it's a fiberglass boat, but it's what they call <coughs> um, old-fashioned fiberglass in that it's it hasn't got foam cores or apply cause it's made out of solid hand laid up fiberglass so you know it's it's inordinately thick almost of the sort of width of a a, a, a wooden boat's layout and uh very strong um she's a bit shabby but the one thing you do get from her is that she looks she has a beautiful sort of seagoing look and she's tough you know you you can drop something on the deck and it won't crack whereas on a beneteau you'll be calling the the boatyard to come over and patch it up for you um so you know she's we're trying to make her as comfortable as possible we're trying to ready her uh, as efficiently as possible for sea and um you know she has character uh and uh you know there are also things where given said to me the other day she said i'm a bit nervous about going to sea and she wasn't very happy when i said so am i <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably know what she wanted to hear and uh no, i was thinking about this clear, you know, that was not the answer that she wanted <laughs> it's uh getting the sea it's like a it's like a curse no they tell you getting the sea here when, yes. when the, so but let's hope it's not a curse for you I, i'm really I'm, i know and I, I, i visited the house you had in Puglia. i, I was cheering for you and teaming for you but it's like you know it's bureaucracy sometimes it's hard yes. to beat and i hope this is like the beginning of a new adventure but i can also end up in some kind of permanent settlement it sounds like you yeah. have a plan so we have a plan and i i think the one thing i like about returning to the sea and especially because i have roots in it and, and i've written you know some very good things about the sea it feels like in a funny kind of way we're finally transforming our voy uh, our, our travels over the last well you know 35 years together into some kind of performance art yeah <laughs> um, it, it it feels like you know this is a means of expression not just a means of transport i see and you planning to to uh, to record this uh, voyage to to to, to write yes. about it uh, can we yes. follow can you follow can we follow your itinerary somewhere and I, i think you have a patron don't you well we have that and we also have uh twitter in which we've started posting much more about the preparations and 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 there are photographs and i think it's 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 going to be a combination of media and so on um what what has been interesting is that since we moved aboard there's a whole community oddly of young people extending from the west northwest coast of america right through to the north of england who are all kind of doing the same thing at the same time renovating old boats uh moving aboard 
a lot of them are in in tech and have you know the ability to to, to work uh, nomadically and have chosen this life um and so there's a there is a very great sense of community and uh, a, a great sense of this being in some small way an alternative uh world in a way uh, which is kind of how I remember it from, you know, the early seventies, but they're very different people. Um, but I'm finding it fascinating and I'm finding it gratifying the amount of encouragement and help I, I'm getting from people who are less than half my age. Um, uh, and that's nice, you know, I, and, uh, that's been and, surprising. And- and CC, how are you going to be in, in, in connected? Can you can you have like a, a satellite telephone there? How you? I, mean, well, I don't know. We're reasonably close to the the coast, we can just work off SIM cards. Okay. Um, where for emergencies, I am going to get a a, a a satellite. I mean, the subscriptions are, you know, bloodthirsty. But uh, you know, our kids can reach out to us if there's an emergency, and given wants that assurance. Um, we also have VHF radios on board and I've just qualified as a radio operator. So uh, we've got a lot of ways of, uh, of being in touch. And what I'm hoping is that as we move through various clo- uh, coasts and, and countries, unlike what we've normally done where we've kept ourselves very much to ourselves, we're looking forward to actually meeting and seeing people and 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 people joining us aboard for a little while and whatever so we'll see how that goes but so far it's been interesting and uh you were mentioning today on twitter as well that you have uh some things to go to 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 still to prepare like equipment and so on so what oh, what is that I mean, our, our levels of equipment are just parlous i mean i have no warm clothes and no wet weather gear Uh, given uh, lucked out in that we've we've um, had friends and others giving us stuff that actually fits her, whereas uh, I'm a rather bigger uh, entity. <laughs> um, so we've got we've we've got stuff like that that's a, a concern um, because it's not cheap, and we've also got things like we've got no charts or, or navigational things aboard other than a an old GPS. So. You know, we're we're uh, improvising. Sorry, <coughs> but you know, I sailed. I sailed a lot in the twenty-four foot boat that had nothing um, other than a compass, so and a watch. So I'm not too um, I'm not too worried about it. But you know, it'd be nice to have a little more comfort. And uh, uh, I was going to ask so. Uh... I mean, you, you're going to be sailing with sails. You're not going to be these uh, people who have a sailing boat and use the engine, yeah? No, I, I don't. <laughs> one, I don't understand engines very well. So, you know, um, in fact, when we came aboard, the guy started describing a rather, you know, Heath Robinson way in which this engine had to be cared for and all the rest of it. And I looked at him and I said, don't make it too complicated or else I'll strip it out and leave it on the dock. <laughs> Um, and two, my two previous boats had no engines for that exact reason. Um, this boat's a little too big to to take that risk. But no, we we'll we'll sail a lot, and uh, you know, 
the engine will be ju- there just to get us in and out of a port, not to save time. I see. And and how does it work? I mean, when you go to a new place, do you have to call in advance to reserve a docking spot how that, or just turn up? This is well, like, in, England, uh, in England, you do. I mean, it's, you know, there's a whole procedure um, because their marinas now are ridiculously overcrowded and ridiculously expensive, at least until you get to the north or, or Scotland. Um, but elsewhere in the world, no. Um, but you do have to present yourself at often two or three offices and uh, you'd be accepted by the harbour master, be accepted by the passport control, be expe- uh, accepted by health and safety and so on. Um, it, it's it's not terribly onerous. And in some parts of the world that you expect to be, uh, let's say, a, a bit uh, picky, like... Um, Uh, Morocco, they're very, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to make it as an efficient experience as possible. Uh, <laughs> Greece is interesting, um, but you know, it's 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 something that takes sometimes a morning, sometimes a day, and then you're you know free to do what you do. Uh, the Mediterranean, uh, uh, Morocco is a close point to 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 Europe or or Tunisia, yeah. where. Yeah, I mean Morocco is is right there. It's it's literally you can see Gibraltar from the other side, um, and you know I, one of the reasons given and I like that part of the world is because you know when we were living in Spain for a year, every morning we can look out the window and there was northern Morocco. Um, you also see all the the let's say the illicit uh, goings on uh, when you live by the sea there because. You see drug boats every single day. You see them being chased <laughs> by helicopters. You see refugee boats, you know, piled up, also being driven by highly skilled uh, boatmen to get them on the beach before they're they're pulled up. So all of all of the nefarious side of Mediterranean life is there, especially in a place like La Linea, which is you know like Bogota except by the sea. Um, But we love it down there. And, you know, I mean, I love all the Mediterranean because there's this interesting mix of, you know, the modern world trying uh, being being pursued in a way that's very different to the way it's being pursued in the UK and America. Uh, and at the same time, there's this deep vein of history that, you know, you, you can't ignore. Um, so I really love it when I'm down there. So I, I'll be trying to get there as fast as I can. But I, I'm also looking forward to being in the river, rivers of northern, northern Spain, which everyone assures me are just unbelievable. I mean, there's a little matter of, you know, killer whales down in the Straits of Gibraltar at the moment, but I, I'm not going to worry about it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't start worrying about that now. And, and you tell me, I mean, you 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 will experience, you will uh, take this as a way, as a form of expression, as a performance. You say, and yes. are you planning to write about this? I know you don't consider yourself a writer, but you do write every now and then. So yeah, I mean, I want, I, you know, it's one of these things where I, there are people like you who take writing quite seriously and. Coming from a family of writers, I, I have never managed to. Uh, clearly, I know how to write. Clearly, I have stories to tell. But 
I think the thing that I want to do is use a range of media to get across a, a bunch of themes i'm not going to do like stories of hey we cruise to barcelona you know what i mean i, I have yeah. no interest in that i don't want to do this kind of bullshit influencer stuff you see on youtube and uh and uh, uh instagram even though the money some of them earn these days is eye-watering um but i i really want to create something that has almost like the air of you know, medieval wanderers, you know, who left behind their tales, you know, of travel mm -hmm. and experiences and experiences of war and poverty and plague. So if I can figure out how to do that in this context, that would be thrilling. How can, I mean, can you tell us uh, where to find you on Twitter and Patreon? So anyone who listens yeah, to this. Twitter, on, on Twitter, my handle is ccohanlon. Um, and on Patreon, it's uh, The Rack. You, the Rack. You, the Rack, the name of the boat. And you um, post uh, premium and, and free content in, in, the, in the Patreon. <coughs> <coughs> yes. Um, you know, there's about seven or eight pieces there already, and it's only been up for about a month. Uh, Twitter, you know, very regularly. Um, and also... Given and I have an Instagram together, uh, which is uh, CC and GGO Henlon. Um, and uh, that sort of takes up our story from the time we found our ruin. So it goes from the ruin to the boat. And, you know, visually it has a, a nice kind of flow to it. So we're hoping to find, you know, a way to to make it all um, work together in a way that's n not trying to be influencers um but at the same time excites people enough to support us well you don't need to be an influencer to tell influencer sorry to tell stories yeah if it's i think the influencer culture is something else what you want to do here is i share what you're going through with with, with other people and yeah and take us, sure. take us with you no exactly exactly and and that's the very old-fashioned fun function of storytelling you know it's probably the earliest function of storytelling and i like that you know and i like that we're doing it in a way that is you know not without difficulty which is relatable it's not like you know this uh, there's a couple i that i've i've seen on on uh, youtube who are sailing like a multi-million dollar yacht and you know she does her yoga and they're all very pretty <laughs> and and all the rest of it and i can't yet see what it really has to do with the sea um and i don't really understand what their story is other than my wife does yoga um <laughs> so uh, you know i want our experience to be a bit richer, you know, maybe excite other people to look at things differently. And given that we're in a time that borders are becoming much more disputed and violent and, and full of problems. Um, I don't want anyone to forget why it is that we're out there. We're out there because we were forced to be out there. This wasn't a lifestyle choice. It was the last choice. I think that's the main difference here. So, Sissy, listen, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I just wanted to 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 do this first uh, conversation, yeah. which I will be running in my in my Substack. Um, I don't know how regularly, but I, I wanted to have a, a talk, and uh, and I, I didn't want to discuss literature either. Just I think 
I wanted to know how you're doing and, and hopefully send you my best wishes for this new uh, moment for you and Given. So send my regards to Given as well now, please. Yes, she's lying right here. Thank you. <laughs> I wish you the best and hopefully we can have another conversation when you reach uh, some other shores. Yeah, Yeah, that'll be great. Or come and visit us. And hopefully in person too. Yes, that'll be so, wonderful. All right, guys, I'll, I'll let you to sort out the rest of the rack. And, uh, okay. Happy Thank sailing. You. Bye-bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.